What's up, you guys? Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. Today's episode, I can't lie, I'm a little nervous about it because it's something I've never done before, but I've always thought about doing. Let me give you a little bit of background context. If you don't follow our Instagram, nutrition.awareness, I put in the stories that I was going to give my Toastmasters speech, and I shared the topic, which was diet addiction and how an obsession with our body image and our food can actually be an emotional cop-out. And I said, okay, like, what if I made my Toastmasters speech into a podcast? Would you guys be into this subject? And I got an overwhelming responses of saying, like, yeah, you need to make this into a podcast. I even got a lot of people DMing me and saying, like, yeah, like, really make this into a podcast. And I was like, oh, crap, like, I put it out there. Now I actually have to follow through, right? Like, lesson learned. So if you don't know what Toastmasters is, it's this international organization. It's literally all over the world, hence the international, where people get together and they practice public speaking skills as a means to build confidence, to encourage leadership, and just get more comfortable in front of people and talking to them about whatever subject. It's really helpful if you are somebody who has to talk to people for your job, or if you host a podcast, or you're on social media a lot, or you just don't feel really comfortable going up to somebody and saying, hi, my name is Kate, and I blah, blah, blah. It just gives you a lot more confidence to speak. Highly recommend if you are interested in building those skills that you search your Toastmasters Club on Google. There's probably one near you if you live in a semi-populated metropolitan area. So this speech here is the speech I gave yesterday at Toastmasters. It was really well received. This is definitely an expansion of the speech because I had to have a time limit on the one yesterday, whereas this one's a lot longer. I think you're really going to enjoy it. I explore how to overcome emotional dieting as a means for emotional numbing. So a lot of times we use coping mechanisms to help distract us from external triggers. Maybe you feel stressed out about work, and I talk a lot on this podcast about how you might use food as a way to numb out those bad feelings, where some people might pour a glass of wine, or some people might just go into their video games. But there are lots of proactive ways to deal with your emotions too, like exercising, going to a therapist, calling a friend, going outside, taking a walk, whatever it is, but we explore how humans actually have a lot of multiple, or, you know, that was pretty redundant. That would get me a big no-no in, in Toastmasters, right? Uh, but we explore how people have multiple coping mechanisms and how oftentimes weight loss and body obsession can be one of them, and it can turn into a lifelong struggle. So let me know your thoughts on this episode. I really am nervous to put it out there, but whatever. I already recorded it, so... It's done. I'm not going to do any more work. I hope you guys enjoy it, and I will see you on the next episode. You're listening to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, where we firmly believe food should fuel your life, not restrict it. Each week, one of our registered dietitian nutritionists will motivate and educate you with accurate and reliable nutrition information to help you achieve your health goals using food. Whether you struggle with yo-yo dieting, weight loss, portion control, or simply just understanding the right eating patterns to get real, lasting results, you're in the right place. I'm Dietitian Kate, nutrition expert, ex-cardio bunny turned barbell junkie, and your host for today's episode. 
Are you ready to dive in? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, hear me out. Have you ever read an article or blog post or some kind of advice column all about how to unwind and de-stress? Maybe strategies to help you feel better, how to cheer yourself up. All of these things are always really, really superficial. They'll say, oh, why don't you draw a bubble bath or do a face mask, play with your pet, go outside and breathe in some fresh air. All of those things are really great, but do they really get to the root of why you're feeling negative? Let me kind of start over here and get to my main point. We all feel bad sometimes, and we all have our own ways of coping and dealing with them. Negative emotions are simply just a part of life, and anybody who claims that they never feel bad is a big fat liar in my opinion. Honestly, have you ever met someone that just goes around and pretends like he or she doesn't have any problems in the world and that everything is just hunky-dory all the time? Like you call them just to vent about the traffic on your commute and they say something annoying like, oh, well, at least you have a car and at least you have a job to drive to and from to pay your bills. And you're like, I just wanted to vent for like a hot second way to make me feel like crap. <laughs> But even though this person plays the role of someone who is always happy and looking on the bright side, he or she is probably no exception to human nature. Everyone feels bad sometimes, and we all just have to deal with it. And in some people's case, acting like everything is sunshine and rainbows is just their way of coping. If you can remember the examples I just mentioned that are often found in advice columns, you can tell that they're all really positive and proactive. They're all really nice, simple things that help you enhance your life. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we all had coping skills as simple as taking a bubble bath and that that could fix everything? However, many people, myself included, utilize other mechanisms that are not so enterprising. Examples include drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, video games, work, food. My theory? These distractions are so much easier than facing whatever is actually causing us anxiety and stress head-on. They're mind-numbing, they're habit-forming, but oftentimes they're threats to our overall well-being. Today I want to share a story about one of my weight loss clients who, today we're going to call her Jenna for privacy's sake. Her name is not Jenna who utilized an all-too-common, though under-discussed method to deal with her unwanted emotions. That method? Dieting. Okay, so on the outside, Jenna had it all together. I mean, she was only 29, but she was plowing ahead in her career as an electrical engineer. I think that's what it was. I get all the engineers confused. Some upper-level hard mathematical engineer science. And she was paving the way for females in her male-dominated career. 
She was smart. She was always so well put together. I mean, she would wear like these beautiful business suits that were perfectly pressed. She never had a fly hair out of her bun. And she always caught me off guard with quick wit that made me laugh. She had initially booked an appointment with me to talk about weight loss and how to make a diet or exercise plan. Pretty generic. But within 30 minutes of our first consultation, it was clear to me that a standard weight loss protocol was not the real issue and that we'd have to put that on the back burner. Let me backtrack here. I always ask clients what they want to get out of their initial session with a dietitian. Gives me a nice clear picture of what their end goal is. Jenna's answers were pretty typical of somebody who would come in looking for weight loss. So when I asked her why she sought out professional help to lose weight, her response, though valid, was rather surface level. I want to feel more confident, she told me. I encouraged her to elaborate. What does confidence mean to her? After it took a few more times of asking why she wanted to feel more confident and how that would change her life, Jenna finally shared with me the root cause of her body image woes. I hold myself to such a high standard, and I always feel like I'm not good enough. I fear that nobody will like me, but I think once I lose 10 to 15 pounds, then I'll have the confidence to talk to men and maybe start a relationship or make new friends. Oh, a tale as old as time, let me tell you. The notion that confidence in ourselves occurs only after body transformation, that all our problems will vanish and our dreams will come true once we drop from a size 10 to a size 6. Logically, we know this simply isn't true, but hey, this speech is not about logic. It's about feelings and emotions. And these feelings made perfect sense in Jenna's case. Growing up, both of her parents had really high expectations of Jenna, especially her mom in terms of her academic achievement, athletic performance, and extracurriculars. She was only praised when she met their ridiculously high standards. We talked a little bit more about her parents, and then I asked her a key question. I asked, how was your parents' relationships with food, body, and their weight? I learned that her father was a larger man. In fact, he was larger than life in every single way. Body size, confidence, swagger and attitude, work ethic. He had a loud voice and a hearty laugh and an even larger appetite. In fact, he never concerned himself with diet or health, and he usually ordered dessert. Jenna spoke of him really fondly. Her mother, on the other hand, well, she was the complete opposite, to say the least, based on Jenna's description. She was mousy, reserved, physically tiny. She often made comments about other women's body sizes, unsolicited. She'd skipped meals and ordered low-fat everything as a means to stay trim. She was very vocal about her motive. And though she never directly called Jenna fat or overweight, she'd comment on her second helping of dinner or any requests for midday snacks. Despite Jenna's success in her career in academia, she never felt good enough for her parents, especially her mother, and therefore, she never felt like she was good enough for anyone, let alone a love interest, which she longed for. We worked to put the pieces of the puzzle together, and we came to the conclusion Jenna was constantly trying to earn approval and validation, and she felt as a means to get some that she had to be thin and she had to eat less. 
And as a result, from that, she had been on and off restrictive diets since adolescence. Her list was exhausting. She had counted calories and macronutrients both several times with different parameters. She tried literally every single fad diet you can think of, including Atkins, ketogenic, paleo, Whole30, a basic low-fat diet, low-carb, everything. Every single fad diet you can think of Jenna had been through at one time or another. She had even tried weight loss programs, such as Weight Watchers. She's purchased countless amounts of weight loss shakes, pills, and powders. She even tried a fat burner. Years worth of her workouts and exercise plans had been logged into her Fitness Watch app, as well as three years worth of weight history in her foam app. And while she had lost weight from a few of these tactics, she was never able to stick to one long term and always regained the weight. I can stick to any plan 100% for weeks, even months, but I always mess up, she told me. And once I break, I just say screw it, and I binge on whatever I can get my hands on for the next few days. It's like a non-stop eating fest. But then eventually I come to my senses, and I feel like crap, and I start over on my diet again the next Monday. She was stuck in a cycle that gave her periods of self-worth, followed by extreme, intense bursts of perceived failure. Her brain had been wired to resolve these bad feelings by going on a diet. Instead of facing her unresolved anxiety and worries head-on, she used food obsession, calorie counting, and weight loss as a distraction and as a means for validation. Jenna, like so many of the women I work with, was an emotional dieter. I want you to think about that. How people can use dieting and counting calories and obsessing over their body image as a means of a distraction from dealing with the real issues that we all have deep within us. As a means for validation or working out our own unresolved issues with our our personality or our perceived flaws. I want you to take a minute to self-reflect. Have you ever obsessed over something as a means to distract yourself from something in your external or internal psyche? Once Jenna recognized her emotions and became self-aware of how she was responding to these unresolved feelings, we were able to get to work. Like any addiction, breaking free from the dieting cycle does not happen overnight, and it doesn't happen in weeks. It can take quite some time. We had to establish a plan to help Jenna stop self-sabotaging her physical and mental well-being with restrictive diets and start regulating her mood and her food intake in a healthy way. Now, because I am not a certified mental health counselor, I referred her to a local therapist to help her resolve her internal conflicts with her mother. Then, we established flexible eating guidelines to help her achieve her goal. It was really important to transition Jenna out of her restrictive dieting mindset with a structured plan that still encouraged variety and mindfulness instead of a completely intuitive approach. An intuitive approach may have caused her some anxiety and increased the likelihood that she'd relapse into her old ways as a means for comfort. Imagine living your entire adult life following a restrictive diet with guidelines and specific parameters, and then being told, okay, no more, and sending yourself off into the wild to just eat willy-nilly. 
That could cause somebody, especially a type A personality like Jenna, a lot of anxiety. And based on experience, I had a feeling if I did that with her, she would just relapse back into old restrictive eating habits. And we knew that was no longer the goal that we wanted to achieve. I wanted to share with anyone who can relate to Jenna's story some emotional dieting steps that they can start to implement to help yourself get over this unwanted coping mechanism. These are some of the pillars of what I call informed eating. The first step is to stop over restricting. Nothing can be restricted if you really want to break free from emotional dieting. No calories, no food groups, no macros. The only exception are foods you don't like, food allergies, or food intolerances. So if you can't tolerate gluten, then of course, restrict gluten, right? Or if you can't, if you're allergic to shellfish, I don't want you eating shellfish. These are restrictions based on what you perceive will make you gain weight. If you create really strict rules for yourself with zero flexibility, you are setting yourself up to fail. Instead, I want you to set up conditions as a means to transition out of restrictive dieting behaviors. That leads me into the second step. Every meal you eat should have a good source of healthy fiber, fat, and protein. Doing so is going to help keep you full and satisfied for longer, which makes it a lot easier not to go on a full-on weekend bender like Jenna did after she would restrict her diet. To give you a snapshot idea of what Jenna was eating throughout the week, it was often some kind of lean protein not cooked in any oil or butter with a side of steamed veggies and maybe a little brown rice here and there on the days she worked out. Then on the weekends, she was really, really suspect to go on an all-weekend binge and eat everything in sight, and we discussed how this was actually a result of her extreme hunger. So we simply added more macronutrients into her diet. Now, for someone like Jenna who was really, really wary of adding more food in, we had to look at doing this as the big picture. So adding more nutrition into the week and adding a little bit more sustenance to the meals would actually help her eat less overall as she wouldn't be tempted or as likely to eat on the weekends excessive amounts of empty calories and things that just add up really quickly. So we learned that she could actually overall eat less without having to track when she added more food to her meals. Now what kind of food did we add to her meals? That is where I go into step three. Meals need to be compromised of mostly whole, real food and a lot less packaged junk and boxed diet products. Now, those things are okay once in a while, but the majority, 90% of what Jenna needed to be eating and what you need to be eating is comprised of whole, real food. We utilized a list of foods with the best options, and I encouraged Jenna to pick from these foods way more often after I educated her on why they're the best. Notice I didn't tell her that she was allowed to eat whatever she wanted, but she had the information as to why these were optimal for health, which would push her in the right direction to eat these things in the appropriate quantities and not feel guilty about them. But there were no rules. I, could, I wasn't telling her you have to eat these things all the time. There was room for flexibility. And when there's room for flexibility, people are more likely to stick to a healthy eating plan because they don't feel bogged down by unnecessary restrictions. And the fourth step to beginning to come over emotional dieting 
is to begin to keep a food and mood journal. Now remember, Jenna was really used to tracking something, and so she felt a little bit nervous going out of my office without anything to track. So instead, we decided to track the mood. There were no numbers, no portion sizes, just a few sentences about how she was feeling or the food she was cravings and her emotions, energy, and feelings before and after meals. This would allow Jenna to make connections between her emotional triggers and her food intake and help her catch instances when she felt the urge to restrict. Notice how this strategy allows Jenna to have some established, healthy eating guidelines without making her feel like she needed to follow a cookie-cutter diet. There was structure with flexibility. I want to reiterate these were only the beginning steps. Jenna had a long way to go as her emotional dieting patterns stemmed from her later childhood and early, early adolescence. They were deep ingrained in her and they weren't going to change after one session. As with any tra transformation, there were tons of triumphs, a few lapses, wins and losses, smiles and tears, and many, many learning moments for both of us. Within two months, Jenna has achieved a slow and steady net weight loss of eight pounds, which I like to see because that tells me it's gonna be sustainable. I don't like to see quick, dramatic weight loss in my clients. She has implemented informed eating techniques and is working to resolve internal conflicts regarding her need for validation. She has discovered effective ways to cope with her emotions while simultaneously achieving her health goals. I'm really excited to see all the progress Jenna makes as we continue to work together. And I hope her story and her journey thus far really inspires you to take a deeper look and gain some self-awareness about your own dieting habits. Why do you diet? Why do you restrict? Where are these urges to count calories coming from? If you want to talk more, I'm an open book. Feel free to shoot me a message. You can get a hold of me on Instagram at nutrition.awareness. I will go ahead and link that below, but feel free to send me a DM if you have any thoughts or want to talk through anything that you might be struggling with in relation to body image, weight loss, food, diet, and so on. Thanks for listening, you guys. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. This has been Dietitian Kate, and until next time, keep it real and keep it healthy.